The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Being Child Free in Indian Culture panel. My name is Lenora Fay. I am one of the co-founders of the 2021 Virtual Child Free Conference. And today I am joined by two lovely speakers, Nandita Bajaj and Shweta Ramkumar. Hi, ladies. How are you doing? Hi, Lenora. Great yeah, to be here. I thought I'm not going to be able to make it on time for this, but I'm very glad I did. Indian standard time, as we call it. That 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 is awesome. And I just messed up. I'm running on two hours of sleep, but we're good to go. I got I got my nerves out of the way. We're ready. All mm -hmm. right, so let's dive right in. First question: What are the expectations for a young female growing up in Indian culture, especially to have regarding having children? So, Nanada, let's start with you. Okay. Sure. Um, well, just, uh, uh, you know, full disclosure, I grew up in India until I was 17 and then I moved to Canada. So I, I want to be clear that, you know, I don't represent all of the Indian culture. I do represent my own personal experience of growing up in India and then living within, you know, an Indian cultural constructs here. Um, the expectation really generally is that um, young girls will grow up to be um, wives and mothers, and if they're lucky, uh, then they would get an education and a career. And um, often, even after, you know, women get highly educated, um, the options are quite limited. Um, you know, the participation of women in the labor force is amongst the lowest in India. And that's mainly because of that pronatalist, you know, value of, um, you know, your being a woman is synonymous with being a mother. And so often after marriage, uh, women tend to uh, not do as much with their education if they even if they do become highly educated. Uh, Shweta, I'll also let you answer some of those questions. Well, you've given the condensed version of it, and I'll give you the give everyone the um, elaborate version of this because I'm quite a verbose, eloquent person myself. So yeah, um, okay. So traditionally, like you said, Nandita, in the Indian culture, it's quite patriarchal. So it is the men are the one who really call the shots, and men are considered head of the family. And like you said, women, the identity of a woman is being is always intertwined as being a wife, mother, daughter-in-law, homemaker, caregiver, and just someone who's expected to constantly make sacrifices for the honor of her family and society. So pretty much all girls are trained and programmed from a very young age to be quite subservient, docile, and just take care of everyone in their family so that it prepares them for this role in marriage and with her future husband and in-laws and motherhood in the future. And the thing is, there's an unwritten rule about marriage uh, that everyone, but when you get to a certain age, you have to get married. There's no other option. And obviously you have to be a mother. There's no other option besides that. Um, what I've also experienced is when I grew up, so my upbringing has been very similar to Nandita. So I left India when I was about 16, 17, and I moved to Australia. Uh, but before that, I did get a first-hand experience of what it was like. Um, and what I've observed is that um, men sort of generally get a free pass from actively parenting or doing any domestic chores. So boys in India from a young age get waited on by hand and, or hand and foot by their sisters and mothers. And the only expectation from 
men is that they do well in their jobs, they're stable in it, and they make money and so that they can provide for the family and support his parents. Um, but everything else is expected uh, to be done in terms of, you know, um, creating a family and raising it. Everything is, uh, the expectation is completely on women. Uh, Nandita, would you like to add a little bit more? Yeah, and then, you know, later on in life, as the parents and parents-in-law become older, the uh, it's the women, the daughters-in-law and the daughters who really shoulder the burden because there aren't mm -hmm. um, any infrastructure, um, you know, and there isn't a lot of infrastructure for elderly care there. So it's very yes. much single-handedly falls on women. So like you said, Shweta, is women end up spending most of their lives being caregivers to other people mm -hmm. and not really having a chance to put their own aspirations, their needs, their, you know, yeah, their own identity um, to the fore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, you know, uh, over the years and despite, you know, the world becoming very globalized and India now, you know, leading uh, globally in so many parts of the world in so many different fields, these expectations from women haven't changed significantly. Yeah. Yes, parents now do expect, you know, their sons and daughters, including daughters, to have an education and degree. But it's mainly really to do, you know, to tick a box for society and earn enough to take care of their parents prior to marriage. You know, it's just for that. Because eventually the, the expectation is that once you get married and have children, that's going to be your life. Um, and excelling in career and furthering education is not really encouraged, as the narrative is that all is going to be given up once you get married and once you become a mother. And only if the husband or in-laws permit you to pursue those things can you actually go ahead and do that. Um, and these achievements that are, you know, anything besides uh, marriage or motherhood is not really strongly celebrated and acknowledged. And even nowadays, career-minded and ambitious women are really frowned upon. Um, so once girls get to a certain age, the only obsession that parents have is that they have to get them married to the first available bachelors before she's left on the shelf and all the men are, the you know, eligible men are taken, I suppose. Um, Nandita, no. back over to you. Um, yeah, to, to, to your point about, um, you know, career-oriented women and women who are seen as independent, that's a bad yeah. word in India, um, mm -hmm. is um, is really seen as a threat to the patriarchal um, pronatalist society. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, often they either lose opportunities for employment, uh, for um, relationships. Um, okay. I, I'm not going to generalize, but I think generally, um, you know, men are not interested. Again, not all men, but uh, some of the more traditional conservative men are not interested in being in relationship with women who are highly yes. independent, autonomous in their, you know, reproductive uh, decision making, uh, in their aspirations, etc. They really are seen as a threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other thing is I've noticed over the years is that whether it's Hindu mythology, the religious stories, you know, Indian movies, TV shows, advertisement, Indian women are always predominantly portrayed as mother figures. So yeah. and every TV show will always say, when, when are you giving us the good news? When is the kid coming along? And yeah. if the couple is on the fence, the, you know, the rest of the world will pretty much try to talk the woman into having a child because it's going to be so beneficial. Yeah. Um, uh, so and that's why I think because it's just rammed into in, in every aspect of your life so strongly, uh, I think that association or equivalency, I think, between 
womanhood and motherhood is very strong in India more than any other uh, any other place in the world that I have been to. And yeah. the other thing is that our society is a collectivist one. So, right. uh, you know, so everyone is in everyone's business, really. And people who choose to go against religious and social norms, they get uh, judged and stigmatized and criticized by everybody, um, exactly. whether it's out of choice or whether it's out of circumstance. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's just considered very sinful, degrading, shameful, and immoral. And um, yes, and this is happening even though women nowadays are becoming so financially independent, they're career-driven and ambitious, and they've taken up leadership positions in the workplace more than ever before. The fact that they have not fulfilled their duty to procreate, that's, that is still seen as just not good enough, doesn't make them a complete woman. That's so right. and the reputation of the parents and families and in-laws are also jeopardized in the process. So I have another question for you too. Sure. Do these expectations differ if you live outside of India? What has been your experience? Um, I'll start. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, just like Shweta was saying, you know, we are social animals. Um, in, the Indian culture is a very collectivist culture. So um, there really is, um, you know, a sense of conformity when you're living within the confines of cultural norms. Um, and like Shweta beautifully said, there is moral policing that goes on uh, if you're not abiding by those cultural rules. And um, so, at least for me personally, you know, being able to step outside of the, the, the confines of that cultural norm and moving to Canada really gave me an opportunity to, to lean into some of these old outdated ideas that I had grown up with myself and I had identified with them deeply and seen them as real and true. Um, you know, I grew up with the idea that I was going to, you know, grow up and um, my family was fairly progressive. So I knew I was going to get a good education, go to university and participate in the labor force. But I was still deeply identified with this idea that I would find a partner and get married and have two kids and two being, you know, the, the norm now. And um, even though at the time I really didn't, growing up, I never really fantasized about being a mother. To me, mm -hmm. just like most Indians growing up uh, within that culture, it really is not presented as a choice. Um, it's, it's kind of this choiceless choice because, um, again, like Shweta talked about, there are so many uh, checks and balances in place that make sure you do not fall or stray from the dominant narrative. So being able to be in a slightly, not slightly, significantly different culture here in Canada, uh, it gave me an opportunity to reflect more deeply and because we are social animals, we do, um, we are influenced by our, you know, spheres um, and who's in our community. So for me, it, it did end up expanding my own worldview of what was possible. Um, you know, whenever you are able to see alternatives, um, like being uh, having aspirations and you know being able to see options other than motherhood um, women take those opportunities 
And that's definitely been my experience. I know there is a strong Indian community in different parts of Canada that has still very much, um, you know, is still enmeshed in the old traditional conserv conservative values and are holding true to them. And um, I've consciously made a decision to not be part of that because I, as much as I value my culture, um, you know, I'm very close to my family. I do find it quite stifling um, to to be part of that, uh, you know, prohibitive uh, norm. Shweta, over to you. All right. Um, well, my upbringing was quite different. Even at the time when I was growing up in India, I come from a very liberal and progressive family. So when my mother got married, you know, many over thirty years ago, um, she, my mom, has always been a very career-driven woman. And before she got married, she told her parents, I want to continue my education and I want to continue practicing as a doctor after marriage. That's that's non-negotiable. So she told my grandparents that only find a, a person who um, is going to tick that box for me. And my father was looking for a working woman. So that kind of worked out. And, you know, so and she went on to um, really doing well in her studies and career after she got married. She had a lot of support from both her fam her parents and her in-laws as well and um and that sort of those values got instilled into me somehow that you know um uh, my parents are very big on education and just doing whatever career path you pursue it, you know make sure that you give it your all and do a good job that's what my parents and all they've always instilled for me from young, in me from a young age and also becoming financially independent is one thing they've really stressed the, that i have to do so I've had a very different upbringing, you know, to what's considered the normal um, uh, way Indian women are brought up. And uh, so when I was a child, I told my parents, this, I'm, you guys are never going to be grandparents. They didn't say anything. They were like, cool. <laughs> and just li and life just went on after that. Um, but I have seen over here um, in Australia that uh, the, in terms of Indian women who are born and brought up in Australia, they don't face the pressure of giving up studies and career uh, that Indian women in India do. Um, but the whole motherhood and marriage narrative after a certain age, that pressure is very much there. Yeah. So what happens over here is that I'm sure it's the same story in Canada, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, that Indians generally grow up with the same group of people from their community and stick to socializing and befriending only those kind of people exclusively. So what they do, whatever they can to best fit in with that group and conform uh, to that group, that social circle, which includes career and life choices. And very few women, uh, like me and Nandita, willingly defy uh, motherhood and any other choices that that community entails. Um, and they do it mainly because they they have a fear of missing out. And similar pressure is put on these women by um, family, friends, and the Indian community to follow the life forward. And the fear of missing out really isn't coming from the women. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's really <clears throat> this cultural expectation is the fear of the other, the fear of not conforming, the fear of not being seen as having parented your children well with good values so that they go and, you know, do follow the path that you had laid out for them. So the fear really is of being judged because again, being a very collectivist society, um, we are uh, hugely influenced by what people think, what people say, and because that's always at play, um, there is so little autonomy 
Um, I think yes. parents feel significant pressure, even if they want what's best for their children, uh, and they want their parent, their their children, like you and my myself, to follow their you know passions. They feel immense pressure from their community members uh, in allowing their kids to follow the path. They're they're really at this this, this paradoxical you know position where um, they they want to fit in and conform and be seen as good Indians and good Indian parents, but they. Mm -hmm you know, for those parents who are in line with what their kids want and do care deeply about their kids' passions, they struggle um, with this balance. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. Yeah. On, on that topic, I'm going to skip the other two questions because this segues uh, nicely into the last one, which cool. is so fascinating. What are your thoughts on the conversation that's happening in India regarding being child-free and even antinatalism for that matter? Because, you know, you're talking, and, and not just in India, but, you know, within the culture as a whole. And how do you feel like this, this will play a, a, a part in having these conversations? So the fear of missing out becomes less because you're talking about it. Families are talking about it. I know it's a loaded question because there's a lot of work to be done for all cultures. But what are your thoughts? Nanada, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so I just want to, um, I guess, clarify one thing, but I'll, I'll answer the first part, which is I feel quite heartened by what's happening in India with the uprising of the child-free movement. Uh, I still think it's like it's really small. I know, you know, there is um, a Facebook group and there are, um, you know, meetups and things that happen, but in the grand scheme of things, the child-free are still a marginalized, stigmatized community. Um, there uh, isn't really a deep acceptance of uh, the child-free. And uh, I think it's only really happening in liberal, middle-class, educated communities where women are feeling like they could, um, like Shweta was saying, defy some of these cultural norms and feel strong enough um, to to know that you know they can handle the backlash, um, you know I I'm obviously not living in India and I'm um, can't be a spokesperson for what's happening culturally there. But but I do teach a course on pronatalism and overpopulation. So I do I've been doing a lot of research specifically on Dr. Amrita Nandi's work on motherhood and choice, and she's looked quite. Um, deeply into child free net, child freedom, childlessness, and you know other options like adoption. And um, one of the things I'd um, just like to clarify, given um, you know, uh, antinatalism comes up often as um, an antonym to pronatalism. Um, you know, in my own work, I don't see antinatalism to be the exact opposite of pronatalism. A lot of what I'm fighting against is pronatalism, which is just the social bias and these structures and pressures that keep women, you know, um, in their positions, in their gender roles. Um, to me, the ultimate path of um, liberation is to fight against pronatalism, which is, you know, anti-pronatalism, and allow people full reproductive autonomy so that they can make liberated choices um, based on what's good for them, their family, their kids, 
and ideally, you know, make informed choices based on the crisis that we find ourselves in, you know, at a planetary level. Um, so I think we have so much data that shows us that when women are empowered, when women are educated, when they are given opportunities to follow alternative paths, they do. Fertility rates, you know, drop. Uh, they've dropped from five, you know, in in the last 40 years to now two and a half. So I see the movement that's rising in India as a real, um, you know, backlash, a positive backlash to um, to these patriarchal structures. And I would love to to see them have some kind of a policy level impact. Um, Shweta, why don't you add some more and then come back if I have more. All right, well, you've given a very um, academic and statistical perspective on this one. And for me, the only exposure that I've had uh, to the child-free movement in India is through social media. So I remember doing a lot of um, writing and um, video interviews on my journey and my experiences. And somehow it reached people in India and I and they sort of contacted me. And um, then I got to see what they were doing. And that's when I was led down the entire rabbit hole of antinatalism. Um, I learned about it and, and I just completely got hooked. Um, and I am, I definitely identify myself as an antinatalist now. So, and that seems to be a very strong movement in India, rightly so. And most child-free Indians, from my experience, the ones I know at least are antinatalists. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly applaud the people who've spoken up about it and created, created this space or avenue for like-minded people to share their struggles of being child-free in such a conservative and patriarchal country like India. And when you have so much so social and family pressure to procreate. And I really like the word, you know, positive backlash that you mentioned. Um, because, you know, centuries ago, even if, you know, you, you're talking 20, 30 years ago, this was totally considered taboo and unheard of. Um, and now, over the years, this has got so much recognition and, and acknowledgement, even though it's on a small scale. Um, but whether, well, will it be as accepted as it is, you know, to be child-free, I mean, to be, uh, will that be as equally accepted, say, how it is accepted in Australia? Uh, will that ever be the same in India? I'm very doubtful. Um, and child-free living there will never be the norm. I mean, what people say over here in Australia, I know for a fact that by 2031, so that in 10 years now, there'll be more child-free people than parents um, in terms of the number, the, wow. in terms of population. So that's the estimate. And I think every time I go out and socialize, I'm meeting someone who's child-free. So, you know, I'm, so I'm doing something right. Um, but that will never happen in India. And so here, nobody really cares when I tell them that I'm child-free, whereas over there, this kind of uh, life choice will never be the norm and it will never not have any criticism. Or yeah. Nevertheless, it's a small step, but it's just in the right direction. Yeah, and I I even find that, um, you know, the uh, at least from, again, Amrita Nandi's research, that mm -hmm. um, people who are child-free are not free to share that with everyone. Mm -hmm. They can only do so in very, you know, private, trustworthy kind of situations. And yeah. often, um, you know, when asked, they would say they couldldn't have children. They are childless mm -hmm. um, because that gets them sympathy. And, you know, again, it doesn't threaten that 
structure of like you made a choice for yourself based on your own, you know, autonomy, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, which is unacceptable for, for most people in India. But if you can't have children, well, it's out of your control. Therefore, you know, people sympathize with you a little bit more. Uh, mm -hmm. than, than choosing child-free by choice, ch uh, choosing child-free. Um, but I think there is, again, so much stigma, and I have a lot of, all my extended family is, is in India, and I know, you know, several people who are unable to conceive and are having difficulties, and the stigma within their families is just immense. Um, mm -hmm. The pressure that they feel from their in-laws, from their own husband, um, to not be able to, you know, um, manifest the one role that you had as a wife was to procreate. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, so demeaning and mm. uh, stifling. Mm. Um, while we're on that uh, positive backlash that you mentioned, I actually recently uh, watched an Indian movie uh, that was actually about a child-free couple. And it was, again, in one of the groups that I'm a part of, they recommended watch this one. And it was so eye-opening, um, especially the segment, I'm not going to really give spoilers away, but um, there's a segment where there's a doctor who actually supports the couple to, um, you know, stick to their choice and gives, you know, legal backup to say that, you know, this is, you know, according to our law, uh, the, the, you know, the Commonwealth law of India, every man and woman has reproductive autonomy. Um, you know, and whereas society sort of clouds that with saying that nobody does, you know, so that movie uh, was very, very eye-opening. Yeah, wow. for sure. And it was very radical for it to come out in, in a country like India, especially. So, yeah. So I was going to throw out one last impromptu question that I just thought of <laughs> when you two were talking. Do you feel responsible at any level to bring awareness to the choice specifically in your culture to other other people? Like, do you do you feel any sense of, of duty or just because you you know the freedom that you, and that you enjoy? Do you feel responsible at all? I, Lenora, I feel this is my, this is my, this has become my life's work, actually. Um, I feel such a deep sense of responsibility. Uh, and it's literally because of what you said, um, the, the sense of liberation that I've experienced from going from the idea that I was going to become a mother, I didn't have a choice, even after I had moved to Canada. Uh, and despite the fact that I've never really wanted to, to be a mother, um, to, to then having a conversation with my partner and, and saying, you know, the world is overpopulated. We don't need more people. What do you think about not having kids? And I was like, yes, I didn't even know that was a possibility. And it was the fastest decision I've ever made in my life. And I have not looked back. And it's been the most liberating decision because of Number one, because I would have, you know, regretted all of the opportunities that I would have missed out on being able to to really focus on things that I'm passionate about. And so, yeah, I do. I feel that I want, you know, even in my position in, in at World Population Balance, one of our main um, mission statements is to dismantle pronatalist structures so that people can make reproductive choices that are liberated. Uh, and autonomous uh, that are good for them. So 
100% I feel responsible. Shweta? Well, for me, um, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting story. So I actually do um, volunteer work for uh, just a couple of hours a week at a uh, middle school. And so, you know, I basically am a mentor to just a student who needs like a role model. And I was matched with this uh, girl who I thought was Indian, but she's actually Iranian. And um, so the first few, the first time I met her and we were getting to know each other. So she asked me, do you have children? And I said, no, and I don't want them. And she said, high five, nor do I. And this girl was, how old? She's grade eight, so not a preteen, basically. Um, so my mission now, because I'm starting with her, my mission now is uh, every week when I see her, I tell her, don't let anyone talk you out of it. If you've made your choice, stick to it. Because when you, the older you get, you are going to have people on your throat telling you to have kids. And if that's if you don't want to do that, just just stick to your hands. All right. So we have 30 minutes left or 30 seconds left. <laughs> 30 minutes left. Good grief. Okay. Uh, can you see that? I There's something blocking my view here. Oh, <laughs> What's your take on the... The government two child policy. Oh, sorry. Okay, can you see that? I I can't see the yeah. here. I can. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, from the little that I know, um, I feel that it's going down a dark path, um, mm -hmm. because it is built on the same structures of coercion and patriarchy, of telling women what they can or cannot do, and uh, I think based on the audience question. Given that there is such a preference toward boy children, um, I think there is, and given the history of uh, female feticide or infanticide, um, why probably, you know, why won't it happen this time? It probably will, um, given the cultural preferences for um, boys. Um, I know a lot of the time it happens, you know, without people's knowledge. It's illegal to do that, but people find ways of doing that. It's a large country and it's very easy to hide hide away your horrible actions like that. Thank you oh. for asking that, yeah. Thank you. All right, Shweta, three seconds. <laughs> I think totally got to wrap. <laughs> yeah, right. over and out, I reckon. You can go, feel free to answer the question. Oh, you know, you've answered it brilliantly, Nandita. I have nothing else to add, so yeah. All right. Well, thank you two so much for joining us today. Uh, Nandita, is there anything you would like to promote? How can people reach reach you? Um, well, I'm the executive director of World Population Balance. So if you look that up, we're actually right in the midst of changing our website. So, um, you know, in the next few days, we'll have our new uh, platform. But I did a, a really interesting webinar a couple of weeks ago in honor of World Population Day on pronatalism. And I had four women from four different countries who talked about pronatalism, including Amrita Nandi. You can find that on World Population Balance YouTube channel. Thank you, Nandita. Shweta, how can people reach you? Oh, just find me on Facebook. <laughs> There's no, uh, yeah, I don't rep I don't have a brand as such. So yeah, just find okay. me on Facebook. Me, Speaking so, yeah. of Facebook, I got word that they have banned us. I mean, we are yeah, live, live stream. <laughs> Something got flagged and we are no longer, a, I, 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 if I seem distracted, I was listening, but I got word halfway through that this stream has been cut off on Facebook. So please watch on YouTube. Tell everybody to go head over to our YouTube channel. It's, mm -hmm. We'll figure it out. But anyway, thank you both for being here today, for sharing your insight. 
mm-hmm. really important conversation. And I, yeah. I, I'm just thrilled that we've, you know, you joined us today. So thank you again. This has been the Being Child Free in Indian Culture panel. I've got all my flubs out of the way, hopefully for the day. Thank you again. <laughs> yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Lenora. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.